the sermon I'm preaching this morning is one that God laid on my heart. Actually, it came in men's Bible study. Uh, we were reading. We're reading Psalms. We're reading the book of Psalms because we're really manly men. And we kill things afterwards just so we don't feel like fruity. Um, but um, we're reading Psalms right now in men's Bible study. And uh, we were in Psalm 119. And Psalm 119, if you're wondering, is the longest book in the Bible. And so we've been in that Psalm for several weeks. And we'll probably be in that song for sev- Psalm for several more weeks. Um, but as we're in that Psalm, we came to a verse. And as we discussed it in men's Bible study... Actually, Roy looked at me and he said, Pastor, you're pretty passionate about that. It sounds like a good sermon. And so I decided to take Roy's word for it. And now I'm telling you, I set a precedent in Sunday school because God's cool. And Sunday school went right along with um, what I'm preaching this morning. And that wasn't planned by Pastor. That's just the way God works. And so I had to keep, you know, Nina wanted to preach this morning and Walt wanted to preach this morning. Uh, they all wanted to preach my sermon. I had to stop them so I could preach it. And then Brent said I'd set the bar really high for the sermon this morning. So anyway, all that's the background to where we're at today. We're going to be in Psalm chapter 119. And as we read some verses in this psalm, there's a truth that jumped out to me uh, in, in, in this psalm that I want to press into you, into this morning. Psalm chapter 119 Uh, Verse 65 says, do good to your servant according to your word, Lord. Teach me knowledge and good judgments, for I trust your commands. Verse 67, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. Verse 68, you are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. Though the arrogant have smeared me with lies, I keep your precepts with all my heart. Their hearts are callous and unfeeling. But I delight in your law. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Psalm 119 is an interesting psalm. And this psalm, as we've looked at it, is all about the psalmist's love, passion for the law, the words, the statutes of God. This entire psalm draws into the psalmist's desire or, or expression. It's almost a love song about God's law. I mean, like, seriously, like, uh, I don't remember that one on the top hits, like the love song about the law. But that's what this psalm truly is. And, and Brent brought information. He'd seen this study. There's several words that that are used in this chapter, that that are used time and time again, that bring out a different facet of whether it's law or statute or word or precept. I mean, there are all these ideas for law that that come out in this psalm. And so in the verses we just read, we, we see a psalmist, and in verse 67, he said he was afflicted. Now, I tried finding out. I'm not exactly sure what his afflictions were. But afflictions mean things weren't good. You can be afflicted with disease. You can be afflicted by people. You can be afflicted with problems. You can be afflicted with circumstances. I don't know what his afflictions were. But what I do know is that he said he was afflicted. And I know that arrogance smeared him with lies. That's what I know, right? But right in the middle of these verses, what I know is I've been afflicted. 
But what I know is that verse 68 says, you are good. And what you do is good. Teach me your decrees, your truth. Teach me your law. Today I want to talk about a perspective. Today I want to talk about maybe even a practice that we can put into our lives. Practically living based on the truth rather than the circumstance. How oftentimes when we read this, what stood out to us, he wasn't talking in verse 68 about his afflictions or the effect of his afflictions on his life. But what he professed, what he said, I know you are good. The basis for what he wrote, the basis for for these verses is the reality that God is good. I've been afflicted. But God is good. You know, it's funny. Every system in life is based on truths. The truths of a system determine the outcome. So when we have truths that are absolute, they, they determine what we perceive or experience within that system. Now, I talked last week. No more problems this week, Gretchen. Gretchen got me this week with a math problem, but it was just a brain teaser, not a math problem. So I'm, I'm still arguing about that. I talked last week about the reality that I have a degree in math. And there was a, a math class that I took in college in my process. Now, I recognize that when I say this next word, some people are going to shut down, they're going to get anxious on the inside, and they're going to want to leave. Please don't leave yet. I took a class in college called Modern Geometry. And most of us, when I say geometry, we remember this system right here. This is called Euclidean Geometry. It's got an XY coordinate system. And what we did when when we were in geometry was we made graphs on this chart. Y'all remember doing that in geometry? So in this particular style of geometry, there are postulates or truths that govern that system. So the shortest point or the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. That's a postulate that governs Euclidean geometry. Parallel lines never They never intersect. They go on and on forever. Do you know how, um, what the angles within a triangle add up to in Euclidean geometry? So if you add up the angles in a triangle, they add up to a certain number. Does anyone know what it is? Huh? 180 degrees is what they add up to if you add up the measurement of the angles. These are postulates. They govern this system of geometry, and it's the one that we all learn. Well, so then I go to a college class, and of course, because they've got to make math more challenging, they say, we're going to change everything you know, and we're going to come up with new postulates, new truths that govern this system. And so suddenly, as you're reading and you're trying to process, so I'm so used to processing everything through an XY coordinate system. I can do that well. They change things up. And instead of a flat surface, now I've got a spherical, a spherical or a hyperbolic surface that governs every truth in this geometry. I know I'm losing people right now. Just stick with me, please. So, 
in my Euclidean geometry, the, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. On a sphere, the shortest distance between two points is actually a curved line. Makes me crazy. Parallel lines in a sphere, they eventually cross. The, the, the sum of the angles in a triangle is greater than 180 degrees. And so they tell you the truths about the system, and then you've got to process, just like you did in regular geometry, the problem. But the, the thing that stood out to me, and the lesson that I want us all to learn in this moment, is the postulates, the truths of the system, determined the way I processed the information. So what I was told was true was the lens in which all information had to go through. And if I took the, the truths of, or the, the information and processed it through this model, it was different than the outcome in this model or that model. The postulates, the truths of the system, determined the outcome of the system. Okay, now you can re-engage your brain because I'm done talking about geometry. If I lost you completely, that's fine. The reality is laws or truths govern the outcomes of a system. And today what I want to talk about is the importance. What we saw with the psalmist in his circumstance was, yes, there were results that he experienced. The results were he was afflicted, correct? But the truth that he knew was God was good. And too often in life, we start with the outcomes rather than the truth. And we try to work to the truth from the outcomes, and we struggle getting there. The psalmist had the the truth or the outcome, which was affliction, but he said, I've got to start with the truth, that is, God is good. How many times has someone asked you, if God is good? Right? There's no if in that question. The psalmist didn't say, if God is good, then my affliction did this. The psalmist said, God is absolutely good. That's the truth of this system. So whatever happens in this life has to come through that truth. Because that truth governs the system. It's imperative that we know what is true. Because then I start there. That truth doesn't change in science we have laws laws that govern science in general scientific law is a description of an observed phenomenon it doesn't explain why it exists or what causes it the explanation is a theory in science laws are a starting place said peter coppinger an associate professor of biology from there scientists can then ask the question why and how We have to get to a place where the truth is the starting place. And then we ask, because of that truth, why and how? We're often starting with the phenomenon, the outcome, what is, and we're trying to work back. It's going to be much easier, church, if we begin to focus or start with what we know. God is the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's absolutely, eternally true. 
So when it comes to my situation, when it comes to my circumstance, I have to start with the truth and let the truth determine the outcome. Not with the outcome, so the outcome refines or redefines the truth. The truth is, God is good. That's when I'm afflicted. God is good. It's when I'm sick. God is good. When I don't understand why I'm where I'm at, God is good. When there's storms in life, God is good. It doesn't change based on your circumstance. Your circumstance doesn't define God. God has been defined. He is, He was, and always will be. God is good. Stop allowing your circumstance to redefine your understanding of God. God absolutely is good. God is good when things are going great. God is good when, when you get a promotion. God is good when you, when you get married. God is good in all these times. God is good. Our systems, the kingdom of God, is governed by truths. Those truths are unchangeable. They're not redefined by every circumstance that happens. They are absolute truth. And when I process my outcome through the truth, it changes the way I live. When I allow myself Yes, I'm afflicted, but I stop and think that God is good. So I'm going to look at the affliction through the lens of God being good. It changes the way I respond in that moment. Too often we're looking through the lens of affliction and trying to find a God that is good and we can't do it. We must start not with the affliction, but with the truth that we know. I don't know if you're following this, but it will transform the way you live. We're eternal beings. And so many times we define God by the temporary things. We're never going to get there if we define the eternal by the temporary. It will never work out. But your life is included in the eternal. And when we start by looking at the truth of who God is, it transforms the way this system functions. There's a story in the New Testament I want to look at where we can see this in action. The story is in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 6. And there's a man, his name's Stephen. And and the scripture introduces him in this chapter and says basically he was doing incredible things for God, mighty miracles for God. And what happens a lot of times in scripture when someone's doing good things for God, we see that people get upset. When they get upset, they start telling lies about him. And those lies turn into accusations and those accusations turn into court trials. I mean, that just seems to be what happens in, in the New Testament, right? 
And so if you read in Acts chapter 6, Stephen is brought before the Sanhedrin for trial. And it says in that chapter that they brought many witnesses who told falsehoods or lies about him. Stephen is sitting in a trial and he's listening to all these lies that are being talked about him. Okay? Now, I'm going to tell you, Pastor Steve, transparent moment. We were in Omaha last week. And, you know, Omaha, you still got to wear masks. Um, we were at one point, and my wife said, you need to calm down. Your face is showing how you feel. She tells me I don't hide my, my, my emotions very well. So even with a mask on, she could tell that I was frustrated in the moment that I was in. That's how transparent my face is. You pretty much know if I'm upset when you're talking to me. I don't hide it well. So Stephen, now, he's been doing incredible things for God. Miracles, miraculous works have been happening. And all of a sudden, he's on trial before the Sanhedrin. He knows the accusation against him. And he knows the result if he's found guilty of this. And Stephen, in my mind, he's witnessing people Faces, names, who he's seen and knows tell lies about him. If the scripture describes my face in that moment, Pastor Steve was very, very mad. And his face showed it. I want you to look at Acts chapter 16, or 6 verse 15. In the middle of the lies, in the middle of the discourse, in the middle of the reality of him probably facing death, All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen. And they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. How? My truth, my system is my face is going to be pretty upset in that moment. That's the outcome. That's the product of X plus Y equals 2. And me is a straight line that is me pretty frustrated. The product of the outcome in Stephen's system, the product of the truth in Stephen's life was in the midst of of, of people lying about him, in the midst of being accused of things he didn't do, in the midst of knowing that he was probably going to be put to death for what was being said. Stephen's face looked like that of an angel. How? I think there were some postulates that were governing his system. And the outcome of his life was reflective of the truths that he knew. Because then what happens? So now Stephen's given a chance to to speak. I'm put on trial and people are saying I'm doing things that I didn't do. What's the first thing you're going to do? I'm going to tell them what I did. And probably the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to tell them why they're wrong. Because that's my personality. My wife would laugh at that. And then I'm going to tell them everything that I did. And I'm going to tell them what the truth of this reality truly is. I'm going to tell them that, 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 that I was just doing what God wanted me to do. I'm going to tell them all those things. Do you want to know where Stephen starts his defense? He's on trial, and he gets an opportunity to defend himself. Little angel face, right? And he begins to speak, and he talks about Abraham. 
And he says, God made a promise to Abraham. And, and he continues to speak. And, and, and he talks about, about Isaac. Well, wait a minute. I'm talking about you and, 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 and talking about Jesus. I'm talking about all the things that you did. I'm talking about all the things that, that you... And, and then, then, then Stephen, he, he continues on talking about Joseph and the famine and Moses and David and Solomon. And it's like, what are you doing, dude? You're on trial. You're going to die. And you're taking this moment to do what? To speak his truth. His defense wasn't the outcome. His defense was the truth of what God had done to present Jesus Christ as an atoning sacrifice for mankind. His defense was to say, I'm not going to tell you the outcome of my life right now, but I'm going to tell you the postulates of my system. I'm going to tell you what governs me and has governed me to this moment. My defense is truly what God has done to get us to the place that we're in today. My defense is not that I did this or that I didn't do this. My defense is the absolute truth of the gospel. That's my defense. And if you've read Acts chapter 7, I'd like to say that everything was great. But the scripture says that when he spoke his truths, those who heard became angry. But remember, Stephen is, he's got a postulate that governs his life. Acts chapter, chapter 7, verse 55, But Stephen, full of the Holy Ghost, looked up at heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see the heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices. They all rushed at him. They dragged him out of the city and they began to stone him. Do you know what that means? They threw big rocks at his face. Exactly. That's my response in that moment. I'm crying out because of the pain. I'm crying out because of the misjustice of this moment. I'm wanting uh, uh, someone to show up and represent me in this moment. They dragged him out of the city and they began to stone him. Meanwhile, witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. And while... They were stoning him. Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. I get that one. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. How in the world? Oh, wait, it doesn't work in the world. Does someone who's being killed for a crime they shouldn't be killed for. Pray for the forgiveness of those who are throwing rocks at my face. How? 
The world can't come to that outcome apart from the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can't get to praying for forgiveness unless you know the truth of this word. The promise that God is good no matter what. That means when rocks are hitting my face, God is good. His plans that he started, the truths that he established will be fulfilled and they will govern my life. You know, this morning, I wonder what postulates govern you. What truths define parallel lines or angles within a triangle or shortest distance between two points in your life? Because if it's anything apart from this, if you start with your circumstance and you let your circumstance to define who God is, you'll never know Him. Do you hear that? If your circumstance defines who God is, it's going to change every day. We need truths to govern our system. Without truths, guess what we have? It's chaos. Without truth, guess what there is? It's confusion. Start with the truth that God is good. He's good. It doesn't matter your affliction. It doesn't matter what you're dealing with. But the truth is that God is good. Irene, I can't change the slides. I got it. Then he passed in front of Moses in Exodus chapter 34, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness and rebellion and sin. Psalm chapter 145 says, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all He has made. The truth is that God is good. If you hear anything this morning... Someone says, what you learn at church today, they're going to think you're a deep theologian when you say, I learned that God is good. James chapter 1, verse 17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like the shifting shadows. God is good. Psalm chapter 107, verse 8 says, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the good, the hungry with good things. Psalm 31 verse 19 says, How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you, that you bestow in the sight of all those who take refuge in you. God is 
good. Nahum chapter 1 verse 7. The Lord is good. A refuge in times of troubles. He cares for those who trust in Him. Romans chapter 2 verse 4. I could go on and on all day long. God is good. Do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing the goodness that God leads you to repentance? In Psalm 119 verse 68, it says, You are good. And what you do is good. Teach me your laws. You guys can come forward. This morning as we conclude this moment, I hope the, the words of the psalmist can be the prayer of our hearts. If you struggle with the truth at times that God is good, can the prayer of your heart be, God, you are good and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. Teach me your ways. Teach me your truths. Teach me your postulates. Teach me your laws. Whatever way you need to look at it. God, I know you are good. Help me to learn the eternal system, which is the kingdom of God. Because I believe it transforms the way we live. And suddenly, there's affliction. And the old system, that Euclidean geometry that you knew, that XY coordinate system said, this is the moment I go crazy. This is the moment that I get worried. This is the moment that I have anxiety. This is the moment that I start to to fret. This is the moment that I start to get all crazy. That was that old way. But you see, God's got a new way. In that new system now, suddenly I know that God is good. And this affliction, how James can say, I consider it pure joy when I face suffering because I know that suffering, it produces kindness and forbearance and all that stuff that James says in James chapter 1. I know that, that God is good. And because He is He's good. It's not defined by what I feel. It's not defined by the rocks that are being thrown. It's not defined by the the words that are being spoken. The insults that are being hurled. God is good. And because God is good, I know that He's with me. And because God is good, I know that He won't leave me. And because God is good, I know that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for me that I might have eternal hope because my hope is not in this system, but my hope is in His system. So no matter what happens in this system, it doesn't affect the truth of His system. So I can pray. 
as I'm breathing my last breath. Father, forgive them. God, I know the eternal truth that sin separates us from you. So God, there's sin in their life. Forgive them so they can know you. I don't know what governs your systems. I don't know what truths you've discovered. In Sunday school, I left them with the encouragement. This morning, I leave you with the encouragement. Get into his word. This is the absolute basis, the foundation, the truth that we have. We find truths that that tell us that God is good. That doesn't change. I promise you, God is good. He's as good today as he was when you were 24, even if your body doesn't feel like it. He's as good today as, as he was when Trump was the president. Oh, man. It doesn't change. Walt mentioned in Sunday school and I'm going to open the altars in just a moment that we have to have an anchor for our soul. That anchor has to be the truth of God that doesn't change. That anchor has to be postulates that will continually govern us no matter what. Where's your anchor? I'm going to pray, Father, I I lift up us in this room. And I thank you, Lord, that I know the truth. I thank you for John chapter 14, 6, which was quoted in, in a word of affirmation this morning that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through me. I'm thankful, God, that we have the truth. That's the word of God that was made flesh and made his dwelling among us. God, I'm thankful for the truth that was revealed in the Old Testament from the time of Adam and Eve to the time of today, of God's redemptive story for his people at the cost you're willing to go so that we might have hope, that we might have life, that we might have peace, that we might have joy in the midst of affliction. God, if anyone in this room is struggling with those truths that govern this system that we're living, I pray, God, we have an opportunity to look at your word, an opportunity to spend time together, together discovering the truth that is so that we could live in the new way. So that we would live in the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of this world. Holy Spirit, speak to us. I pray that we would be honest about our perspective. Are we more consistent in looking from the problems back than the, than, than the, the answer forward? Are we more consistent in trying to redefine you by the situation or circumstance we are in than redefining the situation or circumstance that we're in based upon the truths of your word? And what I love is that you've said you can make us new creations 
in Christ Jesus. And so, Father, if our habit is to go from, from the situation or circumstance back to you, help us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, by the Word of God, by your truths. So we live, God, in the place you desire us to live. In Jesus' name. Amen. This won't lead us in a chorus. I'm going to ask you to look at someone and say, God is good, first of all. And after you tell someone that God is good, if you mean it, God is good, then I want you to to, to just think about your life. And if you've got a a situation or circumstance and you need some prayer, I'm I'm up here to pray. But I want you to, to, to profess that truth as they're singing. And maybe even think of your circumstance in the lens of the truth that we're singing in just a moment. Yeah, I've had a a terrible week. Yeah, these things have happened, but you're a good, good father. That's who you are. And so now I'm going to think about that terrible week, but it's not going to determine who you are, but that week is going to be determined by who you are. You're a good, good father. God, you are good. God is God is good. Everything in my life has to come through the understanding of His truth. He is good. That won't change. God is good. That doesn't change. Don't let yourself see the beginning of the world. Satan has been trying to convince us that we need to change the postulates of the system. That's his strategy. Don't let that change. God is good. The Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May He turn His face toward you and grant you His peace. And may your system be governed by His truths. Amen? Be blessed.